Coach O, bitch. Coach Ed O'Gron of the LSU Tigers, you know, and I'm glad y'all like my, my, my slow jams I'm working on. Uh, I'm orchestrating a lot of things, you know, not, not just some good songs. I mean, I got a rap demo too, baby. I also got my beatboxing. Got all. We're going to have some good new offense, baby, new defense, uh, some good players coming in, a lot of recruiting. Uh, we, you know, we have some, some people maturing and they, they, they learn to play the game at the SEC level, ready to play that title football. Because I am Coach O, bitch, and I'm coming. Go Tigers. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 28. No one cares about the small guy. 32, 41, and 2. Terrible. Fun episode today, though. Uh, why is Ohio State in the playoffs? We'll be getting into that with a Walmart story. And then in this order, Mr. Producer is coming on to talk about Farrakhan, a quick hit. L.A. Burns on a probably going to be an epic Air Force Army rant. If you bet the Army last week, I hope you get in a car accident. I don't hope you have any major injuries, but I do hope that your insurance has to settle and you come out of pocket because that was just absurd, terrible loss per usual 2020 COVID. And, of course, white bitch of the week, Tommy Bench. And in between that, we'll talk about the picks that were and the upcoming picks to come. Went two and two last week, two out of four, not that good. We'll get into that. And, of course, the headlining game was canceled. That was ULL versus Coastal Carolina. And, obviously, Coastal canceled the game because they didn't want to play, lying about some coach having COVID. He did not. I want to see the test myself because it did not benefit Coastal to play this game. Now they remain undefeated by not playing. Just absolute hogwash. As ULL is in Myrtle Beach, they basically cuck and say we're not playing. What kind of example are we setting here? Speaking of which, what kind of example is the committee? Selection committee setting by putting a six-win team into the playoffs. I've heard it all already. Well, it's because they put the best team. It's the, it, no, no. It's the most deserving teams. That's why Notre Dame is in. You think Notre Dame is better than any? There's 10 teams. You think a and is not better than Notre Dame? Of course they are. And I hate A&M. But Notre Dame deserves to go. We'll get into that. I'm not going to get into the whole who's in, who's out, and why. We're just going to talk about... Some other things, and let's just get it kicked off here. When I lived in a small town outside of the Highlands, North Carolina, there was a, a big stink about in the city this was in. They had a new mayor, and the mayor decided that they had the population and the capacity and the need and the drive for a super Walmart. Now, I'm not anti-Walmart. I was just there yesterday. I'm going back today, and I'll be there tomorrow, so I don't give a rat's ass. This is America. I'm all about competition. Uh, I don't really care, (laughs) although most of their stuff's from China. But at the same time, I mean, we got to save money. So I know you support your local vendors. Well, you can only do that to a certain extent before it's like, okay, you're way too expensive. So in this little town, you know, you had the whole – it wasn't little. I lived in a little town. This one was like small to medium-sized city. And this story is not going to be anything out of the ordinary. But, you know, you had a guy over here. You know, you had Uncle Fucky's hardware store, right? 
And you got uh, this guy over here that does like Uncle Sam's hair cuttery. Not Uncle Sam. We'll say Uncle Uncle Chief. He cuts your hair over here. And you got, you know, cousin, uh, cousin, cousin Carl's bait and tackle, right? You see where I'm going with this. And you got Susie's over here, Susie Rottencrotch, her clothing store, and, and so forth. And, you know, it was a good functioning, small little town. Well, obviously, this mayor was getting some sort of kickback for something because to bring in that super Walmart inevitably would put all of these businesses in jeopardy. Why? Because no one cares about the small guy. <laughs> it's just no one, no one does. No one cares about the small team. No one cares about the small guy. Super Walmart is Ohio State, basically, but that's fine. Except Walmart actually wins. <laughs> I mean, Ohio State has a, a couple championships in the last decade. Two de- they have two in the last 20 years or something. Not bad. So does LSU. Big deal. Anyhow, what exactly happened is what you think. So this mayor was lobbying for this, who obviously was getting something on the side. There was a huge stink. Super Walmart came in. I remember reading the local paper. It said, <laughs> it said, well, they can work for the Walmart. It's like, wow. So you lose your business to go work for the person that's cucking you? To make $12 an hour instead of probably making like, I don't know, 80000 a year running your own business or whatever. Just insanity. There was a book that a guy named Charles Fishman wrote. It's called The Walmart Effect. It came out in 2006. I read it twice. I have it. Good book. Uh, I mean, he's a liberal journalist cuck. Super left, super woke. But no, he's not. Yes, he is. And uh, he was on TV uh, not too long ago um, cucking once again. So yeah, don't tell me my business Plenty of podcasts out there. The world needs bartenders. Two weeks with pay. Well, apparently all these business owners got their two weeks because they were done. Uh, What a joke. And the Walmart did exactly what you thought it would do. It came in and it just put all these people out of business. This has happened several times over and over. And I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Adapt, right? Adjust. Adapt or die. In the words of Billy Bean over there, Brad Pitt said that in Moneyball. But this is just... Something that I just feel that, you know, the little man in this case, no one really cared about then. It's all about the big guy getting the big teams in so they can do their thing. I mean, I remember a few years ago, Murray State, about eight years ago, had a phenomenal basketball team. And they won every conference game. They went 16-0 and in conference. That right there should put you into the NCAA tournament automatically. They were like 25-5 and five or something like that. They won the first game in the conference tournament, and they got bounced by Belmont Abbey. At Belmont, as you know, is a mainstay nearly in the tournament. Murray State and Belmont fight for that conference championship annually. But you'd think with that resume, and they had a big win. I don't have it in front of me. I think they beat Ole Miss. They had a big win, too, along with that. And they found themselves hosting uh, an NIT game as a one seed in the not-invited tournament. And that just went on to further prove my point of no one cares about the little guy. Instead, Auburn goes a 19-10 and 10 team who had a losing record in conference, and they go. Then they go to the Sweet 16. Everyone's like, well, you see, they do that. No, 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 no. Not how this works. What, you, what you're telling me when Walmart is that your little business doesn't matter. Your hair cuttery, your little grocery store, right, your tackle shop, your clothing store doesn't matter. And what you're telling me in Murray State's case, the regular season doesn't matter. Because if it did, if it did, then they would be in the conference and the tournament that matters, and they weren't. So it doesn't matter. 
How depressing is that to know that you can literally almost go undefeated, but if you don't win your conference tournament, which is tough to do on a neutral court, I mean, you beat every team in regular season, 16-0, and you win eight games on the road in any conference, that's insane. I don't give a shit what conference it is. Don't tell me, my, this is balls and strikes, that is incredibly difficult to do. And they did it, and they didn't go. And they got bounced in the first round of the NIT, and then Dick Vitale was the first one to go, oh, you see, baby, if they were that good, they wouldn't have learned. Shut up. Just kill yourself, Vitale. Get it over with. I'm, I'm so over it. Yeah, I said that. I'm so over it. This is just getting to the point with that guy where he's just senile ranting, still coming after Will Wade somehow. Will Wade must have banged his daughter. Come on. I mean, this dude won't get off his nutsack. It is getting pathetic. And his commentary is awful. I like Dickie V. No, you don't. No one does. Stop it. If I hear Diaper Dandy one more time, I'm going to break my television. Jeez. My point being is that no one cares about the little business or the little team. When the big guy comes in, it happens. And look what just happened in college football. I mean, Ohio State. Their biggest win is at home versus Indiana. Who is a good football team? But they blow a 30-something point lead, and they're, now they find themselves an onside kick away from going to overtime or maybe going for two and winning had they got the onside kick, and they almost did. Giving up 20-something points to Rutgers. At what point has Ohio State played the part? What, versus Michigan? Okay, John Curtis just beat Michigan, a local 3A high school here in Louisiana. They beat Michigan yesterday. Did you see it? No, you didn't hear about it because it just happened and no one cares. Michigan's terrible. Michigan State, are you kidding? Look, look, oh, look at who they played. Six games. And they canceled two games on their court because they knew these games don't matter. Much like Coastal, we benefit from not playing. The minute you benefit from not playing and not counting a conference championship, like the ACC championship where Notre Dame did not benefit and Clemson did, that's fine. It's the conference championship. But Ohio State knew that they were going to get in. Look, I don't like Texas A&M, all right? Not a fan. But they have one loss. And it's at Alabama. And they played a full SEC schedule, albeit the SEC being down, or the West at least. Though it doesn't matter. They still beat Florida. They still beat all these teams. And they lost to Bama in Tuscaloosa. That's their only loss. Now, the problem here is these preseason rankings, which I won't get into that again. That's a huge problem. But you're going to look me in the eye and say A&M is less deserving than Ohio State for sneaking by Northwestern? Northwestern? What? Playoffs? Northwestern? How many times we see this movie? Northwestern wins games they probably shouldn't, lose to a really bad team in the midst of it, but everyone else cucks themselves like Iowa and Wisconsin will cuck. Actually, Iowa's on the other side, I think, but whatever. And then, and then what happens? They go to the Big Ten Championship and play Ohio State and lose. It's like those five years in a row where South Carolina kept getting mollywhopped by Alabama in the SC Championship. Like, what are we doing here? But this is just what I'm talking about. This is a bad precedent right now. Cincinnati played a full schedule. No one cares about the small guy, and they're not even a small team. That's the, that is basically a Power 5 conference. For the last three years, with the exception of this year, the, the, the American Conference has been better than the ACC. Let me repeat that. Better than the ACC. Remove Clemson from that conference, and they are nowhere near matching up with the American Conference with the likes of these Tulsa teams, Memphis, UCF, even Tulane who played Wake Forest two years in a row and lost both in like overtime after having like 10,000 penalties and turnovers. So it's just, don't tell me that the, it, it, the regular season matters for most cases. Cincinnati, full schedule, all right? I, I'm gonna say, I think Coastal Carolina is more deserving than Ohio State. 
At least they sacked up when they had to. Now they cucked by not electing to play ULL, who was in their backyard looking for a fight. And they would have beat him, and they know it. So they said some special teams assistant to the assistant regional manager had COVID with no proof. Ridiculous. That should be investigated. Anyhow, it's just pathetic that Ohio State's in there because no one cares. It's the big guy. Oh, in Ohio State, I don't be. Yes, they will be pushed around. They'll be pushed around immensely. Notre Dame, they don't deserve to be there. Why not? They went undefeated. They beat Clemson. They won at North Carolina when they were ranked eight. They had a way more impressive schedule than most of these teams in the playoffs. And, and by, by the way, I don't give two shits if Trevor Lawrence did not play in that first game where they matched up. Does Trevor Lawrence play middle linebacker? Notre Dame lit them up. Oh, they had COVID injuries. Who doesn't have COVID injuries? What are we talking about here? This is insanity. They should put me on that committee. Oh, I'm serious. I'll tell you the four best teams, and it ain't Ohio State. Now I don't want to hear the who's more, who's better, who's more deserving. You go six, and you don't. You just don't go. You forfeit your right to go and play in the playoffs. You just, you just do. It's pathetic. It's been, Ohio State should be ashamed of themselves, but not nearly as much as the committee. For just putting them in, business as usual, drop a super Walmart right in your backyard and put Coastal Carolina, Coastal out of business, Cincy out of business, ass-to-mouth A&M out of business, all of that. And I'm right. There is no argument. There is no rebuttal. There's nothing. You know I'm right. All right. Let's get to the, the picks that were, picks that will be. Let's proceed with the show. I'll try to be... A little more calm. 32-41-2. Just absolutely terrible. As you know, the ULL game canceled because Coastal are a bunch of cowards. They should have played that game on the set. They should have played Brigham Young as we posted. Brigham Young should have played ULL on the South Lawn in the White House. The Trumpster should have set that one up. I would have went to that game. Got a couple ones going. Actually, we talked about the ones last week. Forgive me. So, obviously, ULL canceled. Let's get into the losers. Had the Saints. Plus two and a half. They lose by three. Actually closed that three. We would have pushed. What a ridiculous. You tell me the Saints have a 49,000-year-old quarterback who hasn't played in five weeks. You, you wheel him out there. Looks like he's drunk for half the game until he figured it out. And then you eject the Saints' best defender... You don't have Michael Thomas. <laughs> and there's 3,000 people in the Superdome, amongst other wide receiver injuries where you have to have them on the practice squad, and you only lose by three? Is Kansas City really that dominant? The answer is no. And if they meet again, I think I have a feeling what's going to happen is the Halfcock Saints nearly dethroned uh, the champs right here. And if they do see them again, and hopefully they do, they figured out how to get to Mahomes. Mahomes is just a freak show. But they hit him 17 times, and they put a beating on him. Mahomes ain't used to getting hit like that. And if they see each other again, go ahead and play on the same thing happening, except this time Breeze won't look drunk for an hour and a half. So that one lost. And then we had Air Force, which I'm sure you'll hear soon about that from L.A. Burns. What a stupid way to lose a football game. Unbelievable. Uh, We had San Jose getting seven and a half. They won easily outright. They ran away with it. We had UAB getting five and a half. They beat the crap out of Marshall. I think they sacked their quarterback about 27 times, it felt like. So 2-2 in a cancellation, 32-41. 
into the terrible season continues. Let's get into the picks to come. COVID football. So much fun, isn't it? <laughs> Trying to cap these games, man, I tell you. I'm getting trashed. Kind of want to just throw in the towel this year, but we got to see it through, which we will be doing. Liberty plays Coastal. Supposed to play earlier in the year. Liberty opens up pretty good favorite. Excuse me, Coastal opens up pretty good favorite. And now they're up to, I believe, a seven-point favorite. We're going to take the over here at 59.5 for a couple reasons. I'm not sold on either of these defenses, but for some some reason, as I, we know that Hugh Freeze won't be here longer. I do think he wants to go out with a bang. But in these ball games, you just have to take into consideration that you're going to see a lot of trick plays. You're going to see a lot of fourth downs. You're going to go for it a lot, things of that nature. So we're going to go ahead and take the Liberty Coastal over 59.5. And, and then uh, later tomorrow, early tomorrow, Louisiana Tech. Uh, is going to be square up. Here's the crazy thing about La Tech, or the thing that kind of jumps out at me, they're playing Georgia Southern, is that people are really down on La Tech. Uh, they've had a very interesting season, but they are extremely well coached with Skip Holtz, who has been more than impressive in bowl games, an astounding 6-0, and most of these by absolute whompings. They, a few years ago, they put down Southern millionaires 52-10. to I know there's questions about the quarterback on both sides, but it, it opened up at five. Now we get it at five and a half. It'll probably be higher than that by the time you hear this. So you might get that around six and a half. We are going to be taking Louisiana Tech, getting the six or five and a half. We're just going to go with our gut. We're going to go with Skip Holtz on this one. If you look at what LaTeX's done on their schedule, you'll see had a harder schedule than Georgia Southern. They beat way better teams, and they haven't really lost to anybody too bad. They've been plagued with injuries as well. So has Georgia Southern, but you're going to give me points here. We're going to take them. All right, moving on. Wisconsin plays Wake Forest. Underrated, interesting matchup here. Wisconsin is a dumpster fire. And yet they're like favored versus everybody. I don't quite understand how they were favored against Indiana. It was so scary that it almost made you want to take Wisconsin. If you're a guy that thinks like I do. And Indiana monkey whipped them uh, from the get-go. Beat them up pretty good. Now, Wake Forest is interesting. They had North Carolina beat at, at in uh in Chapel Hill. Then they lost the fourth quarter 28-8. to <laughs> They lost by three. But I like Hartman, their quarterback. I do like their coach, too. But one thing I just know here is if a big physical team like Wisconsin, who just won't be pushed around, plays a weak ACC kind of spread offense team, why is it only six and a half? Why is it 16 and a half? I feel they are begging you to take Wisconsin. And if you beg me to go one way, well, I'm going the other way. Give me Wake Forest plus the six and a half. And we'll see if Hartman can pound on this secondary, as I think he can in speaking of pounding. The Iowa Hawkeyes are playing Missouri in one of the weirdest bowl matchups I've ever seen. Missouri is awful. They are plagued right now with injury. COVID injuries to specific players, particularly at the skill positions. And Iowa is a 15-point favorite. 15-point favorite. They don't want you to get near this team. Discouraging you to bet it. You can't lay double digits with Iowa. Yes, we can. It's like President Obama. Yes, we can. And we are laying the 15 with Iowa. Quick recap. Liberty, Charleston, Southern, excuse me. Liberty, Coastal Carolina, over 59 and a half. Lot Tech, plus the five and a half. Wake Forest, plus the six and a half. And maybe Kirk Ferentz's last game coaching at Iowa. You can look for them to give everything they have in this game. 
a bunch of white boys running around. They have a white cornerback. God bless him. And his last name's not Seahorn. Iowa, minus the 15. Let's see if Danny Belts can rebound from this terrible COVID season. And now, let's get into, uh, let's get on Mr. Producer. See what he's doing. We're talking about Louis Farrakhan. Can't go wrong here. Actually, no. Excuse me. Pardon me. I almost forgot. Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, you are white bitch of the week. The Saints, with two timeouts, with two minutes and six seconds left in the game, decide down by three, they're going to kick off to the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) Did anyone watching that game go, yeah, that's a good idea? Did anyone think they're getting Mahomes off that field? Because if you did, you can go to the YMCA, get on the high dive, jump in the pool, go smell the bottom, because there is a 0.0% chance you're getting them off the field. What do you think, they're going to run the ball and punt it as usual? No, it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They run it on first down, and they get the first down, they throw it to Kelsey on a play action per usual on second down, and the game's over, and it's over. If you onside kick it, you at least have a chance to get the ball, but you shorten the field. What the Chiefs want is a long field. Stupid, stupid ego, stupid decision. I don't care if I'm not head coach of the Saints. You are white bitch of the week. You do not give your team a chance to win there. You instead condemn them to ultimately lose the football game. Okay, now we'll bring on Mr. Producer. Mr. Producer, uh, jumping back on here. Thanks for jumping on, Mr. Producer. It's been a while. I, I know the state of the podcast isn't necessarily what you really would be uh actually shame we're gonna go at five i i f that up let me go ahead and review my notes here and we'll start in 10 seconds i'll edit all this out don't worry about it all right can you hear me yeah i'm just closing the door all right i'm ready all right there's a lot of weirdness now now it sounds a lot different i need you to get situated because now it's i'm not moving i just closed the door all right let's just go ahead and make sure so how do I sound to you? You am I coming in clear? You've been you've been as clear the whole time, yeah. All right. There's been some static. We're going in ten seconds. All right. Still some static, but we'll go through it. <laughs> Mr. Producer, thanks for jumping back on the podcast. I know you know you're not the biggest sports gambler and you're not the biggest guy in politics. But you do have takes on certain things, Mr. Producer. I think you want to talk about all-star Louis Farrakhan. You'll always have a place on here if you can make an intelligent commentary. And you know what's funny? You text me what you wanted to talk about, and you got an instant uh, instant insert to what we're doing here. But go ahead, man. What's going on? Yeah, so we're talking about the uh, you know Louis Eugene Walcott. Uh, better known as uh, the the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, as I call him, uh, Muslim Millhouse. But uh, he uh, he made a uh, a speech at the Black Leadership Summit uh, this week, and uh, he was he had a really great uh, great message here for uh, the Black community, <laughs> um, which I thought was really interesting. And after after hearing what he was saying, I had to. I had to look up, you know, more things about this guy that I didn't know, and I actually found something 
so unbelievably, ironically hilarious. But I'll, I'll you know, before, tell you about that. Episode, before you but... do get into it, we are talking about the Satan stimulus money, correct? I mean, that's... yes, exactly. That's yes. exactly what we're talking about. So Good. in the in the Black Leadership Summit, uh, the uh, the esteemed minister Louis Farrakhan, uh, Black Millhouse, was talking about how black people, you know, they're more prone to contracting COVID uh, due to you know pre dispositions of heart failure, diabetes, and obesity. Um, and that is all because of, quote, they send us the worst food. They is, is white people. I've, I've got the context there. So white people are sending bad food to black communities, and that's why they have heart failure, diabetes, and obesity, and that's why they Well, I would like COVID. to ask the question then to, to Mr. Lewis, what, what white people are doing this? I mean, I, I could tell you what side is. Um, yeah. It's probably the side that you're voting for, but, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, I guess white people just don't let them into Whole Foods anymore, so. But uh, he's saying, uh, he's also saying don't take the vaccine uh, and get out and get more sunlight because vitamin D is uh, greater than vaccine. I heard that. And yeah. he also, he's hinting that the Caribbean uh, has uh, less cases than Europe. So I guess the Caribbean is the only place with sun in the world. Yeah, that's actually that's really interesting. This almost seems like the greatest transitive property uh, meltdown of all time. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, at this point, yeah, I mean, you know, they didn't, they had, they have no vitamin D, they have no sunlight, and you have yep. a lot of Definitely, sun, a lot of no sunlight. Sun in, yeah, I tell you that. You know what? A lot of sunlight in Jefferson Parish. A lot of COVID. <laughs> just saying. So, so uh, he goes on to talk about how the vaccine is a plot by the devil. And that's the, through the context. It's the white devil, of course, the uh, white man, right? It quinsuato, as Ace Ventura would say. Right. <laughs> he uh, he follows with you know, don't allow him to stick you with any needles. So after he says devil, Satan, he's them. It's white people, obviously. Well, I agree with Lewis on that one because I ain't getting stuck with that vaccine, pal. I'll tell you that right now. You ain't giving that to me, my wife, my daughter. Uh, I'll go into my, uh, I don't have any guns, never mind, federal government, I have nothing, but uh, whatever. But yeah, you ain't giving that to me, but uh, yeah, I mean, I Mr. Like producer, what is your outlook on this? This is this insanity. Yeah, man. It, but he, the, the one that I really love, he says, what a blessing it is when he's talking about how employers and schools are not going to potentially not allow people to come back in without having the vaccine. He goes, what a blessing to tell the cracker in all caps, cracker. I ain't going to your school. And then he says, when you tell me I can't go to your school, I'll go open up one of my own. Okay. So now Louis Farrakhan is going to, he's going to mass produce schools for black people who are not allowed to go into school without a vaccine. Man, daddy Warbucks really is coming out. That's great. Uh, But what was really interesting when I was bringing up earlier to, to kind of put this all together Louis Farrakhan always seems to have this uh, this this big um, this big thing against you know the white agenda, well, just white people in general in America. I mean, I'm Mr. Producer. If, um, I mean, can I just interject real quick? Sure. He won't be pushed around. He, oh, there you he go. Won't be pushed around. No, he will not. No, he just seems to have this big contempt against white people in America in general, but. What I looked up, I just thought was really funny, and I thought I had to share with the audience. Louis Farrakhan, he married in 1953, and when he did, his wife became a convert to the Nation of Islam and had to subsequently change her name. Shocker. 
Her name, uh, her, uh, her, her name now is a Khadijah Farrakhan, uh, and she chose that name when she decided to part with her slave name of, you ready? Betsy Ross. <laughs> so let's go into this irony real quick. So a man who does not like the white agenda or America in general married a woman who is named after a white woman who created the American flag. There is no greater irony there if you ever wrote it. You can't I write mean, this. Did you get hired by the Onion News Network in the last 24 hours? No, I, I, I got that. By, is this on South Park in the next 12 hours? Should I be looking for Trey Stone and Matt Barker to be putting this is, that in? This is most easily Googleable. I implore everybody listening hmm. to go look up the original. I will tell you, that is the stupidest shit I've heard in 2020. And that is a massive statement. That, yep. that is the big time. Matter of fact, that's the biggest statement I've said since put your life on Tulane versus Memphis. <laughs> But at least, Mr. Producer, you saw how it ended for the sports handload. Big paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Finally. But I mean, like, look, look who's really talking for him. Because what's what a wider name than Lewis Eugene Walcott? Yeah, it's trash. It's just <laughs> still not even sure of what it's kind of like my wife telling me. Never mind. I'm not even going to say that. <clears throat> anyway, Mr. Producer, we have to let you go, man. Thanks for jumping on and bringing us Louis Farrakhan. He's such a fair guy, and he was Republican mostly in the 70s and the 80s. That's a shock there, right? Of course, because the Democrats wanted the black people dead. But not a big deal, though. Keep voting the way you vote. Oh, by the way, you know that Louis Farrakhan was a Republican for 30 years. That's that's a fact. And full stop. It is indisputed. Like, and actually, he did give Trump a lot of praise during his uh, presidency. That's a fact. Oh, well, never mind. He's canceled. Then cancel him. <laughs> Trump's, Trump's sitting next to David Duke. They're burning crosses right now in Alexandria, Louisiana. <laughs> look, Mr. Producer, thanks for jumping on the sports internet. We look forward to having you on more. And tell your friends about us, Chief. We need Absolutely. some followers, bro. We're getting big, man. 500 listeners last week. That's huge for us. Absolutely. Looking to crack 1,000 pretty soon. We even have seven people now donating to the cause which is just so hilarious <laughs> but yeah. we appreciate well, listen, it man so and y'all uh please tune in and rate and uh just help us uh you know with our efforts here and uh we'll see you next week and i'm, I'm mr producer you know what it is bitch sick rip where's la burns la burns thanks for jumping back on the sports end what's going on chief not too much belts just getting ready for uh a little Christmas cheer. Christmas cheer. Ra- round of golf, too? Is that what I hear? A little round of golf later on today. Maybe some uh, beverages later tonight. Nice, nice. That's something I know oh too much about. So, uh, speaking of uh, beverages, I had to have a lot after uh, Air Force Army. Not to get into the post-mortem side of sports gambling, but can you just give us your what you witnessed there. Cause what I witnessed was probably the most tomfoolery and some of the stupidest coaching decisions I have ever seen in my life. Well, look, I don't want your listeners to think that you and I are getting together behind closed doors and discussing our plays and coming up with the same ones or anything like that on a weekly basis. But this was one that I was on last week and uh, to close out the regular season, it was going to mean the difference for me from hitting above 70% on my plays this year or just below 65%. So I had a very interested stake in it from that aspect and also from a financial aspect. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was out 
out and out terrible. I mean, I, I really couldn't believe what I was seeing for most of the game. <laughs> you know, I, anyone who watched the game saw what happened. And basically, Air Force just didn't – they didn't go for the throat. They took the easy way out on a lot of plays. They had a couple of – they had a fourth and one early on at the Army 15-yard line. It's 0-0 early in the first quarter. You have the third best rushing team from a numbers perspective, yards per carry perspective in the nation. And instead of going for it on fourth and one at the Army 15 to show that you mean business and you're going to go take that trophy, the commander-in-chief trophy, back from Army and back from Navy, you trot out your field goal kicker. And he misses a 32-yard field goal. So that was pretty painful. Uh, And it just – showed the attitude that they were going to play with on the day, which was disappointing Uh, considering what was, you know, obviously there was something at stake for me and for you, but what was at stake for the air force players was much greater. They were trying to win the commander in chief trophy for the first time in their cycle. So they were trying not to become the first senior class in air force history to not ever hold that trophy. So that's a pretty big deal. And they didn't want to become a, a footnote. Um, so anyway, that play happened and the game went on. I think right after that, Army drove for a field goal. Uh, Air Force got it going at the end of the first half on a drive, and they, again, had it deep in Army territory. There was like two minutes left, and they had three timeouts, and they were playing like they were setting up for a field goal, which was unbelievable considering the, the quality of the first kick. And had another fourth and one at about the – maybe the 25, 20-yard line or something like that, had 45 seconds on the clock. Air Force head coach Troy Calhoun runs the clock down (laughs) as if he needs to run the clock down. Call a timeout and think about it because Army's not going to score in five minutes, much less 30 seconds. So runs the clock down like a smart guy, calls the timeout, trots the field goal kicker out again. He misses the second field goal worse than he misses the first one. So – you know, you're down three zip, you've played like crap, you've made bad decisions, and, and you're into the second half. And, uh, you know, at that point, you're not feeling great because they probably should be up at that point. Then, you know, we go to the second half, Air Force puts a drive together. Their defense is playing really well the whole game. But the offense puts a drive together and scores a touchdown. So 7-3, you know, there's not a lot of possessions at that point. So at that point, even though I believe that was late in the third, you're probably either going to get an army touchdown or nothing. So if you're laying two and a half, three points, whatever the line was, you're looking like you might not have to dodge an army field goal for the nine cover, unless it comes pretty quick on the next drive. So sure. But we all knew that if you had the three, it was seven to three, it was pretty much, you're going to win or lose this bet outright at that point. I mean, I exactly, exactly. So, you know, Air Force gets a couple more stops. They have an offensive drive uh, in the fourth quarter. They get the ball back with 12 minutes. And they get a couple of first downs with nice runs. And then have there hadn't been a penalty the whole game. And then they get back-to-back motion penalties. <laughs> you know, just when they're getting going, just when they're finally getting their offense going, they're kind of, you know, running some different plays. In the first half, they basically ran the same running play every play, which was – a little weird too. So, you know, they have a first and 20. They end up converting a long third down out of that. Then they have another running play into Army's territory. You know, they're really rolling now. They throw a pitch play 
to a guy who who was an all Mountain West running back last year, who they only gave the ball to three or four times in the game, which was you know a question yeah. mark in and of itself. He runs for a dominating eight yard run, and that goes to actually the the Army forty. So they that was from the forty eight. So they have a second and two, eight minutes left. We know <laughs> Army can't score. They're in positive territory. They're desperate for this trophy. They don't want to be the senior class doesn't want to be embarrassed. And what do they do on second and two? They drop a quarterback back who's inexperienced and has already thrown one up into double coverage earlier in the game for an interception and tell him to throw it deep. And he does. And it's intercepted. It's the only fucking chance that Army had to win the game. The only chance at that point. Anything else they could have done, they could have knelt it three times and taken two minutes (laughs) off the clock and punted it to Army, and Army most likely wouldn't have had time to score. They probably would have tried <laughs> to force something in the air, probably yeah. would have thrown a pick six or something like that. And if Air Force would have just stayed on the ground and gotten one first down, the game's over. What I think would have happened based on the way the game was going was if they would have stayed on the ground with a high-powered rushing attack, they would have simply run it into the end zone for a 14-3 to lead or run out most of the clock in the process. So – well, they weren't going to kick another field goal, I can tell you that. But, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I just, they probably uh, weren't going to kick another field goal. And even if they did, it didn't matter because 10-3 is a winner because Army can't get down the field. So sure. They, as they soon as he the... dropped back to pass, as soon as he dropped back to pass, I just said, oh, shit. Yeah. It was right. <laughs> you almost knew it was coming. Yeah, you knew it was course, coming. And then you knew the pick was coming. Inexplicably, Army comes down the field in some painful drive and scores a touchdown. That was a wrap. That right, like bad. an eight-minute drive. And it took them every second to get down there. And they score on a fourth and one from, you know, from from the goal line. And, uh, you know, at that point, <laughs> Air Force had used all its timeouts to keep some time on the clock. And you knew nothing good was going to happen there. So, basically, what they did on that second and two from Army's 40, is they did the only possible thing they could do besides fumbling the ball to lose the game, and that was throwing a pick. And, you know, that's tough to take. Like I said, it was the last game of the season for me. This is my second year doing this. Uh, it's been a challenge this year with COVID. And so I was – and I'm still proud of what I've done, but I was going to be really proud to have a 70% winning percentage. Even though it's limited plays, I think that's pretty good. No, great. no, it so, doesn't matter. It's not like you did 7 out of 10 or something like that. We, we know how you operate, and that's a very extremely high percentage. And um, Anyway, let's just uh, – there's some people that were curious about that game, so I think we covered that one. <laughs> so we're looking forward to uh, – having you on yeah uh, if they want more week. information oh, wait, wait, I can, if they want more information i can email it to them because there was plenty of it on that game leading up to the game and what we had was a situation where a team played terrible for three and a half quarters uh made a lot of mistakes uh the coaching staff didn't go for the throat like they should didn't go for fourth and ones like most military academies do in their own field position uh you know the field goal kicker was a good kicker but you know, that's just not what you're looking for in a game like that. If you have a fourth and one, jam it up their ass, get the first down, run it into the end zone, take control of the game. Uh, they didn't do that. Yeah. They didn't do that later in the first half. Um, you know, despite all of that, you're sitting there with the game in your hands, literally, uh, despite all that. And then you give yeah, it away. It, so. it, 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 it was bad. Like I said, the minute he dropped back, I knew that we were probably going to get screwed there. But uh <laughs> 
I got um well, and then I've already talked to I've already talked about this earlier, but I one of our listeners has already committed to um subscribing to yours next year. I know for a fact he is. He was the guy that was went big on that two lane game with me. Uh, I've already got <coughs> COVID. Excuse me. I've already gotten into that earlier. But yeah, anybody that wants to subscribe to Burns's uh, ordeal, just reach out to me directly. You guys know how to get out to me, and we'll get you in touch with him. Just like uh, Doctor J is what we call him. Just like he did. So anyway. Um, real quick though, we got about a few minutes. I know you got to run, you got to go hit that golf ball and you got to go drink them beers, but look, little controversy here in uh, college football. We have a, a six win team that's found its way in the playoffs. And rather than argue if they should or shouldn't be, let's just hear your quick solution on how this could be fixed, but yet as simple as it is. And I've heard it before. It's amazing how nobody really talks about it. Yeah. You know, and you and I, I think of, probably touched on it before i'm not sure if we have or not but to me it, it is simple because all you need to do is you take if is, is you create an 18 playoff you take the five power five conference champions you have two wild card spots and then you take one spot from the group of five uh that would solve all the issues if you win your conference you're in if you somehow don't win your conference but had a great year there's a couple of spots for for examples like that and then we have a spot for the for the Geo Five, so they can you know play their way in and have a fair shot uh, year after year. I mean, obviously it's only one spot out of eight, but it, it, it's something. Whereas right now they have nothing, so um, yeah, the whole thing is convoluted. The the playoff itself has seemed to dilute the the bowl situation more and more. Um, you know, the bowl situation is something as you, you grow up as a kid and you like college football, you like all the cotton bowl, Rose bowl, sugar bowl, you know, that was cool. That's what got me into college football as a kid watching Herschel Walker play in sugar bowl, you know? So, um, we have lost some of that. It's, it's either the playoff kind of, or nothing. It, it seems like, and we have these new Year's six bowls and you know, what does it all really mean? But, um, but that to me would be super simple and, you know, they could they could still use the bowls to host those games. So you add a yeah, couple more bowls in, coastal, you know, and, and then you're set. Sure. You'd probably have Coastal Carolina in there, even though they clearly didn't want to play ULL, but that would solve all the, the previous UCF issues and Cincinnati. You know, the list goes on. That's right. right. That's um, right. If you're one of those small teams that runs the table like Tulane did in nineteen ninety-eight, you don't find yourself in the Hawaii Bowl, right? That was a joke. Yeah, and I mean I guess you know uh, what, de facto thinking about it, it would probably turn into a spot for the AAC, you know. So um that's yeah, something yeah. to think about. But uh but anyway, it's at least something better than they have now and give some of those teams a chance. And maybe look, at some point the AAC is obviously getting stronger year by year. So maybe at some point you have six conferences that get a bid and you have one wild card and then you leave one for the rest. I, you know, I don't know, something like that, that would give everybody a chance at a ring yeah. heading into the season. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. Um, anyway, look, we'll, uh, next episode we'll have you on and we're going to get more into the college football playoffs. We'll be recording uh, per usual next Wednesday. We're putting it out a day early this week just because we're running into Christmas. And of course, next week we're running into New Year's Eve, but we'll get them out nonetheless, man. So good luck on the golf course today, brother. Thanks for jumping on the show. All right, man. Talk to you later. Have a good one. You can just feel the the anger. He was not happy about the Air Force, nor should he be. Oh, I love when he gets heated. He's slow to anger, too, so that's awesome. Let's bring up Tommy Bench. We'll wrap this up. Uh, Tommy Bench, as you know, your Eagles look good with Jalen Hurts. They do. I mean, he looks good, dude. I mean, shit. He's running around. He's throwing it. 
We'll take it. Even my neighbor two doors down, who's a big Cowboys fan, said I was really hoping we'd face Carson Wentz and not Jalen Hurts. So that must be good uh, news. Well, he's trash, uh, probably just like you as a trash Eagles fan. Um, but let's talk about right now. I mean, what is the, the wokeness with the vaccine and then the insanity of the rich liberals, the guys that make like, you know, 300K or more where nothing affects their life? We can agree on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what is happening right now for 2021? So f- first, let's just give a quick numbers update, just a general numbers update, because, you know, depending on the news source you listen to, you could be hearing surge and the new strain out of the UK, 70 percent more transmissible. And uh, first of all, by the time they discover something like that, it's already here. So just get ready to hear the doomsday reports that it's here. Uh, in fact, there are well-documented cases of blood samples that were collected in December of 2019 that had COVID. So by the time everybody was aware of it in February and March, it was already in the country and well-seated. So this new, quote, strain from the UK uh, that's 70% more transmissible, it's here, it's spreading, Just it's just part of it, so roll with it. In terms of where the numbers stand right now, so it it appears the case numbers have started leveling off at around in this in a relatively narrow band of you know 205,000 to 215,000 and that's the 7 day rolling average so the 7 day rolling average and it actually peaked at about 214,000 4 days ago and it's declined a little bit now 4 days a trend does not make but hey at least we're moving in the right direction so if that trend continues what we'll expect to see is a a peaking, leveling off, and then a a beginning of a decrease in hospitalization numbers in the next 10 to 14 days with a corresponding peaking, leveling off, and and beginning of decrease of death numbers in the next, say, more like 14 to 21, maybe as far out as 28 days. So all of that to say, we may be cresting where the news might start getting better and better, or maybe it's just a false kind of plateau and we're going to get ready for a Christmas surge. Um, and things are going to start shooting past 300,000, 350,000 cases. So let, let's be optimistic. So that's kind of the current state of affairs. I'm sorry, Again, can I interrupt you real quick? I, I apologize. Yep. Speaking of optimistic, BYU just scored a touchdown. Uh, like that? This 42 to 10 with 13 minutes left in the third. So we like that. The, can we tell listeners, I hate to do that to you but uh we put that on instagram we did we put it on instagram for the record we posted that earlier today long before kickoff and i believe believe long before the line moved up uh significantly so you went to the naval united states naval academy and you helped me cheat in algebra two while you were in calculus so surely you can help yourself back to what you were talking about that was not that was not cheating it was a strategic tutoring at an opportune moment um thank you very much COVID numbers, so so there's the sort of current state of affairs. Now, I'm not one to, to toot my own horn, but I'm going to sit here and play the brass band for a second. You will remember a few weeks ago, uh, it was predicted on this podcast by me, uh, as Joe Pesci said, my cousin Vinny, so many great lines in that movie, but it, it was said by me uh, that the the vaccine was going to be another place for all the woke scolds to come out and talk about how vaccine distribution had to be centered around social justice. Now, I don't think that was relatively groundbreaking, 
Um, I, I don't think that was unpredictable. And there were some people making that point, but I, I feel like we were on the record and relatively early seeing that. And I don't know how you couldn't see it. It was just, it was too opportune a time to say, well, we need to make sure that the distribution of this is equitable and we reach an equitable outcome on who gets it and blah, blah, blah. And of course it happened and the CDC issued guidance and then they dug in and you found out that guidance was written by some mid-level staffer who on Twitter has their pronouns as they and theirs, and whatever, uh, blue hair. I mean, the, the total stereotype, just the total stereotype. Now, of <laughs> course, I'm sure once that started making the rounds on, you know, right wing media, the, the White House called down to the CDC and said, fix this. And, and they've moderated it some. Now, here's the truth about vaccine distribution. And I do want to give a shout out if anybody wants to read a, a very well-written article that walks through some back-of-the-envelope math that kind of underscores some of the points I'll be making. A guy named Buzz Hollander, he's a doctor in Maryland, wrote an article for Real Clear Science. It, it just He breaks it down really well. But he, here's the sort of simple takeaway. If, if you are concerned about reducing the number of overall deaths, okay, just flat out, you want to see the death count go down, and you want that number to be as low as possible six months from now. The only people who should be getting this vaccine are people over the age of 85 right now, and then people over the age of 75, and then people over the age of 65 and just tranching it down every 10 years. In fact, and now this is going to be very unpopular, and, and it might not even go over well with, with the host of this show, an argument could be made that the vaccine should not be spent on healthy 20 and 30-year-olds, even those who work in the healthcare field. Again, that, that's kind of a touchy topic and, and feelings and emotions will get into that. But when you look at how many people in the 25 to 35 age range have to become infected before you get one death, it, it's on the order of 1,000 to 1,500. Whereas you look at people 85 and older, for every 100 people getting infected, four or five of them are dying. It, it does not take... A, a major in mathematics to figure out that there's almost a tenfold differential in number of people who are going to die relative to number of cases and people contracted. So again, it, it's, that's a very simplistic, but I think fairly accurate analysis. Uh, it does seem the CDC has moderated the guidelines. They're still giving it to uh, healthcare workers, which I, I do understand. I understand both from an optics, a confidence and a, risk mitigation perspective um and then then it seems like we'll be doing the whole let's give it to older people because again it doesn't matter like it, it does not matter if you're 25 regardless if you're african-american hispanic white asian you are at significantly less risk of dying than somebody who's 85 regardless of their race so again age should be the only determining factor in in, in fact as more and more data comes out, it's showing that age is almost the sole determining factor. Pre, you know, you hear a lot about pre-existing conditions. Again, even a 55-year-old with a pre-existing condition is likely to fare better than an 85-year-old. And part of that is because most 85-year-olds have several pre-existing conditions. It's just, it's just sort of the nature of life. It's kind of how things go the older you get. So it's just been interesting to see how the woke schools respond. It's so predictable. They, they swear they're at the cutting edge and the leading edge of thought in this country. Yet everything they say is just the same regurgitated crap over and over again. So there's some commentary on the vaccine. And 
belts. I'm sure you've got something to add and you'd like to weigh in. Oh, of course. <clears throat> oh, it's a weight on a lot of things. You know, I think if I could put this to football terms, um, this reminds me of the NSC Championship 2008. We clearly see Tommy Lee Lewis. Remember this play, Tom, versus the Rams? He goes out. Yes. He gets crushed. There's no penalty, right? Right. And we all go, well, you mean 2018? Been... 2018, right? That's what I said. Okay. Maybe you didn't hear me. I apologize. We can agree as objectively it's the most egregious no call of all times. That was it's up there. Professional yeah. wrestling just if and also he hit him in the head. So you could have actually called another if you wanted to. Now it's two penalties, but it's none because of Roger Goodell and his absolute cuckoldry, which does linger on in with New Orleans right now. And it does does. But I'll tell you, you can stretch things as long as you want. And you look at things, how stupid they are, just like what you said. And then you can look at things and how good they could be. And you try to put your hands and move them together. And there's like this moving force that moves them out. Imagine trying to move your left and your right hand together and then moving them out. And that is how I feel about what you just said and what I saw in the NFC Championship. And kind of as I try to relate things to sports, how stupid. All of this really is. And I will spare you of more F words and C words as what is happening right now in New York is right now. I have two well, friends. In the, can we do a de Blasio thing right now? I'm no, well, I, I don't think we have time. I, I think we'll bust through the, the time segments. But it, it, it really and, and another thing about the vaccine and you see people. No, what, what I'm telling you is that it may, what you said. OK, I didn't expect. It makes no sense. Right. And that's the problem. All I, I'm trying to do is be like, okay, that makes sense. I believe that. I don't care who I voted for. That seems right. like it's logical. And I'll go with that. And I'm done. Right. You know, so if, if again, if the objective were saving absolute number of lives, you'd start with the oldest people first, period, full stop. No, no. no for, well, what about the military? And the military is a lot of young people. Sorry. Like, I hate to break it to everybody. The military is a lot of young people who live in fairly controlled environments and whose lives can be somewhat controlled through, uh, through, you know, orders and directives. And so therefore your ability to mitigate risk is significantly higher than some other people out in the broader population. Uh, another interesting thing, um, you're starting to see people look at me. I got my vaccine and here's my vaccine card and vaccine, you know, and it's almost like, it's almost like they're volunteer. And you even hear people say like, what if we started giving people numbers like vaccine identifiers, I mean, look, let's just take that to the logical conclusion. Why don't we tattoo those? Yeah, you know, you know let's... what? Uh, you know what? You know what, Bench? You can go ahead and give me a five digit um, numerical tattoo right on my wrist here. Oh, wait, that happened in uh, East yeah. Berlin in 1938. It, it did. I was just going to say. Great. I mean, great. That's nobody. Sick. Nothing. Why nothing. Don't give it to me, bro. Nothing nice. bad ever happened by tattooing number or assigning oh, no, numbers no, to no, people no, and no. tattooing. Oh, now, of no, course, no. I can't believe you're comparing the COVID to the Holocaust. I'm not. I, okay. Yes, I am. Yes. Am I saying it's the same? No, I'm not. What I'm saying is governments in times of crisis, you know, Germany was in a crisis. There are people who will abuse times of crisis for nefarious end states. No, I don't think they're going to round us up in camps and put us in there, but they're definitely governors are definitely using this to expand power. And, and I do find it interesting that in in times of crisis, 
it, it is rare. And I actually, I struggled to find an example. I think I have one and it's a re- pretty weak one. Notice that in times of crisis, you never hear of governments expanding the freedom of, citizen, of the citizenry. You never hear of an expansion of freedom or, or the rescission of laws and regulations. And again, I, I feel like I have one example. I have heard at various times uh, when, when hurricanes are coming in, specifically in states like Florida and Louisiana, I've heard governors either suspend or, or issue a temporary executive order that modifies uh, how people can, can use, carry, and, and brandish, for a better word, firearms. In other words, they, they tend to kind of loosen it up to basically say, look, normally we say you, you can only carry in these circumstances, but uh, in this emergency time, we'll, we'll relax those regulations a little bit. But even that is kind of a, a weak example, because to me, you're relaxing a regulation that likely shouldn't exist anyway, if we're speaking constitutionally. So it, it's, it's very interesting. You almost never see the answer from from the illiterati, the acela corridor liberals, who we'll get into in a second. The, the, the answer wow, that was wow. that, I, that is a, that is some sick ass. Woo. Oh well, I, it's one of my. I wish I could say I came up with it, but I didn't. I, I've heard it elsewhere. Uh, I will say this: the acela trains actually are very nice. I once had the chance to ride on one in first class. Um, I actually I paid for the upgrade. I figured, well, if I'm going to do this, I'll I'll upgrade. It, it is a nice experience. Um, uh, it is on par. Well, the first with time the I heard train. that phrase, actually, it was George Bush in actually uh, 2007, mm-hmm. and I had to I had to actually reference uh, the Reverend here, you know, right? Uh, and ask him, and he told me, and uh, you know, the Latin and everything else, because obviously my dad's the smartest person in the world, right. and I'm the dumbest person on the planet. We have two minutes, Bench. I'm right. sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just saying. Let me let me let me wind this up. So these are cellar corridor liberals and the people you always hear screaming about more regulation. I always find it interesting the, the kind of people screaming about that. And for instance, the kind of people who are very smug about how Joe Biden won. And, and they're very smug when they hear Trump's case got knocked down nine nothing. And oh, my gosh, they're so dumb. OK. All right. You know, it was a weak sauce case on the constitutional grounds. And there's there's good reason why it's good they didn't take the case up. We can cover that in a different podcast. But the kind of people who are smug about Joe Biden winning, you look at them and you see and you say, you make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Your life will not be impacted because Joe Biden is president versus if Donald Trump was president in a material way. In other words, these are not people who their life is impacted when gas goes from two dollars to two dollars and seventy five cents. And look, I'm not going to claim to be Joe's six pack, you know, blue. Collar. No, I'm I'm more or less in the category where I don't have to be concerned with what a gallon of milk costs. I'm still going to buy it anyway. I'm, I'm not overly concerned with how much a gallon of gas costs. Um, but if you're living on the iron range in Minnesota and you're making 65, $70,000 a year, it's a big deal. If gas goes from $2 a gallon to $3 a gallon, it's a big deal. If it feels like the people, the elected officials aren't doing anything to, to at least be concerned. And look, there, there's any number of, you know, left-wing economists will tell you, you know, Trump's bring manufacturing home didn't really work and they're blah, blah, blah. And coal didn't come back. Coal's not coming back due to market forces. It, it, there's really almost nothing Trump could have done about that. But it, at least if you're in, in one of those positions where you do have to be concerned about the nuts and bolts of who's elected and who's issuing policy, because it has a real material impact because you don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I just, 
that's that's the feeling that there's at least people who are who care or they're trying to do something. You know, sometimes hope can be a powerful, powerful force. Now, I had, a, I had a boss once who said hope is not a course of action. It's a girl's name. And he's correct. But still, you know, to, to people in middle America, to blue collar workers, people who feel like their jobs have been shipped overseas and they've been sold out by, you know, Democrat Party and, and frankly, both political parties for the last 20 or 30 years. At least Trump offered a a the, the <laughs> hope that something was going to change. Right. Something would be different. So when I hear all these smug, overcompensated, overeducated liberals, you know, rejoicing in Biden's victory, I, I think if Trump won, your life wouldn't be any different. You, you OK, you maybe you'll pay a little bit more in taxes, but it doesn't matter. You can make hundreds of thousands of dollars. It doesn't matter if your tax rate goes from 36 to 39 percent. And by the what way, what about that woke lower middle class? That, so those are interesting ones because I really feel like they're voting against. Right, let's talk about that one some other time, bro. We'll We're save that. Way over. If I pull that, if I conjure that one up right now, it's going to be, whew, it'll be a, a doozy, as they say. So, Tommy Bench, anything you want to close up with aside from the fact that the Air Force cucked versus the Army and the Army? And by the way, just so you know, West Virginia's laying nine versus the Army. That's going to be one of my biggest bowl locks of the season. They will beat them by five touchdowns. You heard it here first. I, I would have to agree with you. It is a shame that it appears Army took home the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. How so. pathetic is that? And by the way, wait till you hear. <laughs> oh, Phelps is, excuse me. That's me. Burns' rant on that one was unbelievable. But uh, yeah, you know what? You guys really, before we go, just one minute. Someone asked me something about this. Do you really hate the Air Force? And nope. literally in one minute, like what's the, I nobody, mean, obviously the, nobody likes the air. So keep in mind, the air force only came about in 1954, 57. Yeah, but no, you like the Navy? No, I mean, excuse me, the yeah. army, like you don't like the army. So no, I mean, so I, look, if the army's not playing Navy, I'll cheer for army. I will. You know, when, when they, when they played Michigan tight, was that earlier this year? Or was that last season? Am I mixing? I think that was, was last this year. Was it last year? Was it that long ago? Anyway, my, my point is I'll cheer for army. Because I know we play them at the end of the year, and I know if we beat a 10-win Army team, that's much more impressive. But do you ever cheer for the Air Force? I I, I got to tell you, not really. Not really. I mean, it's, it's you know. It's a Naval Academy graduate here. I, 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 I find it a stretch. Find it a stretch. I just They're, they're just different out there, you know. And, and they think they're so smart, and they think they're the cutting edge of, you know, warfare <laughs> and they dress like bus drivers and they just, I mean, you know, when I, I heard somebody <laughs> refer to, well, you know, he's kind of macho cause he was in the air force. I looked at him like, what, what, excuse me. <laughs> did you mix something up? Like, did he used this to be so in the funny. army before he joined you? So anyway, okay. They uh, serve, uh, they serve. Okay. Deserve their credit, but let's face it. You've never heard somebody say, well, send in the air force. No. That's that's never been the saying when there's problems somewhere and you need boots on the ground. So yeah, well we know it. It's when you went to the Marines. We all know that now, and you served twice uh, in the Middle East, and then you went down to that third world Haiti nasty country or whatever. Thank you for your service, and we thank you for your time today. And we will talk to you next week. Anything you want to close with? No, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time and sports antidote out here. Yeah.
Thanks for joining the Sports Anode, episode number 28. No one cares about the small guy. Why the fuck is Ohio State in the playoffs? Thanks to Tommy Bench, L.A. Burns, Mr. Producer, for jumping on the show. Sean Payton, yes, white bitch of the week. Right, he, he could be almost that every week. Arrogant ass. Whatever. Sure, and tune in next week. I know the holidays may prohibit listenership. Listener, listening, shit, listening. Clicks, we'll just say clicks. You guys have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, and we'll have one out next week before the New Year. Good luck in them bowl games. Be sure and follow us on Instagram. At the Sports Antidote, rate, subscribe, and review on any platform you find this podcast. Keep it real, Anadotians! By the style that I use I'm creatively superior, yo I never lose, I never lost Cause I'm the boss and never will Cause I'm still the champion Chief one won't lose until